We wanted to take this opportunity to uh, thank you for your faithful prayers and support. And we try to inform our uh, churches of what's going on. We have praises and prayers we send out on a regular basis. And sometimes you pray and you don't know what to pray for. Well, God answers those too. You say, God, there are some other things that they need, but God is, is great. And we're looking forward to sharing what God is doing in Spain and what he'll be doing uh, when we get back there. Um, we started furlough in May. Um, we'll be here about a year. Uh, we plan on going back mid-April. And uh, we, uh, we're working on uh, Wendy's visa. I'll share more about that later. But uh, we just uh, wanted to thank you for, for your um, being behind us all these years. I wanted to thank uh, Pastor and his wife and family for hosting us. And he uh, gave us some uh, gifts of books that I can read. And it's a great resource. There's very little... Christian material where we are in Spain. So I wanted to thank him and his family for for uh, your op- their open arms. And also you. We're looking forward to spending some time with you. I'm going to let my wife say a few words. Uh, sometimes the missionary men get up here and talk, do all the talking. But I'm going to let her share a little bit about uh, her, her experience. And then we'll go from there. Yes, okay. Uh, it's good to be here and be able to share with you. This is my first time here. Uh, I was a single missionary in Japan from 1993 to 2010 when I married John, and then I transitioned to Spain. So there were a few uh, differences there. But just over all the years, I can just look back and say that God is faithful and God is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. And God is faithful. He called me to serve in Japan and then brought John into my life and called me to serve with him in Spain. We thought that would be easier than me staying in Japan. And, you know, so we decided to do that. And I know that he's going to continue to be faithful as we return to Spain as well. I have a cold today, so I apologize if my voice is not very good. My girls are coughing and sneezing too, so I hope they don't get your kids sick in the nursery and everything, but uh, we're glad to be here. I just wanted to share a little bit of the things that were challenging in the transition. When you're single, you can just give yourself 100% to ministry, and now that I'm a wife and then I have little girls, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit different ministry, and so that's uh, different. There are some things that are different between Japan and Spain, um, which you might be able to think of off the top of your head almost even. People are like, you can't get two more different cultures, can you? And I don't know, maybe, but anyway. So uh, when you greet somebody in Japan, you bow. And when you greet somebody in Spain, you have to kind of kiss the air on both sides of their cheek. You don't actually really kiss them, but... And that's a little bit different. You don't have the personal space like they usually have in Japan and like we like in America more, except for in Japan on the bullet train. No personal space there, but normally you do. So that was different. Japanese, go to bed early, get up early. Hang your laundry out by 6 o'clock a.m. or else you're being lazy because all the neighbors have it out already. And they know you're the foreigner living there. So Spain, they would prefer to stay up till midnight and not wake up until 8, 9, 10 o'clock. You know, of course they have to go to work, but... Things just start later in Spain, and so that's just a little bit different there, too. No shoes in the house in Japan, but in Spain you have to wear shoes in the house when Spaniards come over. So that's something that, just another thing to um, be different. 
Japanese like to go around the bush when they tell you something, and it takes them a long time to get to what they really want to say. Spaniards go directly there. They tell you what their opinion is, sometimes in a loud voice, and it's just so that's a different thing to get used to. That was hard because I used to think that people were mad at me or that the Spaniards were fighting with each other. And John's like, oh, no, they're just Spaniards. They use their hands and they're loud and they say their opinion. I said, oh, well, at least I fit in good with that part of the uh, uh, Spanish culture anyway. And whereas the Japanese would tend to be a lot more quiet in their interactions with others. So just some different things that were some adjustments that I had while I was there in the country of uh, Spain. But God is faithful. I know he's going to continue to be faithful too. One of the things I learned when I became a mom was your kids teach you things. I was a teacher for all those years. I should have known. I learned stuff from my students. But how do you expect a little baby to teach you something? But when little Julia was a baby, one time she was crying and crying and crying and crying because she wanted her milk. She was hungry. And so I got the bottle ready and I'm trying to put it in her mouth, but she's got her hands like this. And I can't get the bottle in. There's no room to get the bottle in. And I'm like, Julia, what? what's the deal? Come on, what's the matter? I'm your mom. I love you. Just, just trust me. I've got what you want right here, and I want to give it to you. But you won't want me. So after a little, moms need three hands. Does anybody, any other mom agree with that? Yeah, we need three hands. So we'll hold the baby, hold the bottle, and another hand for moving the hands out of the way. But I'm like, come on, just. Let me give you the bottle. I have what you want. If you'll just let me give it to you, if you'll just take it. So finally, she got the bottle, and she stopped crying, and she got what she wanted and needed. And I was kind of laughing as I'm seeing her. I'm like, why don't you just trust me? And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, Wendy, why don't you just trust me? Because I have what you need. I have peace. I want to give you peace, but you're fighting me, and you're holding on to your anger and your worry. Just let it go. And I'll give you the peace that you want, that you need. But I'm not really quite, I would never say this, and neither would any of you, I'm not really quite sure I can trust you, is how we act sometimes. And he was like, just trust me. He thought, Julia should trust you. Here you've been a believer for how many years, Wendy? And sometimes it's still hard to just let go of the anger or the worry or the fears and just trust Jesus. He said, I've got what you want. I've got your milk right here, Julia. I want to give it to you. Wendy, I've got your peace and your joy and calm spirit that I can give you if you'll just trust me and, and I will be able to give it to you. So that was just a good lesson that I learned even from a tiny baby. So I'm thankful for my girls and the lessons that they can teach. Just share a couple prayer requests. I'm used to being a single missionary and having the whole 45 minutes, so it's kind of hard when i got to share with John. <laughs> I started learning Japanese when I was about 20. I started learning Spanish when I was about 40. So there's a big difference there in how quickly you can learn something new. So all of you kids, learn stuff now. <laughs> learn whatever you can now. It's a lot easier. And so just continue to pray for my Spanish so that I will continue to improve in the communication there. And also want to ask that you pray for wisdom as we teach and train the girls. Every parent knows that it's a daily struggle of needing wisdom, what to do in each situation that comes up. So pray that we'll continue to do that. And then for my visa. I cannot go back to Spain without my visa. We have applied for a lot of paperwork from Japan, from the FBI, from this agency. We need some stuff from Spain. We need some stuff from our mission. And we have to get all these papers, and they all have to be dated within a two- or three-month time period. And so if you get paper A back too fast, 
and you don't have paper C yet, paper A runs out by the time you get paper C. So it's a really tricky balancing timetable, and it's probably the Lord, again, trying to teach me, Wendy, you're not in control. Because I can't help it how fast the FBI checks out to see if I have a criminal record, which I don't, but they have to check me out anyway. Um, and it gets back faster, it gets back slower. So it's probably him trying to say, Wendy, I'm in control, and I know all the timing of all these things. So just pray that we'll have all the ducks lined up in a row, so to speak. We want to apply in um, first or second week of January, and then it should take two or three months to get it. So we would get it um, by the first or second week of March or April, and then go back to Spain. So John really needs to get back before May 1st because of his residency that he has and that the girls also have. So we need the timetable to work. So just pray. That is a really big uh, prayer request that we have. So we're going to go ahead and show the PowerPoint now. So you can get that and you can see pictures. That's a lot more interesting than just words, too. of when you hear the word Spain. Medieval castles. Bullfighting. Olives. The champion soccer or football team. Narrow alleys. Cheese and cured ham. Exotic seafood. Shopping plazas. Flamenco dancing. Oranges. Majestic cathedrals. When John and I think of Spain, we think of people. People who need to hear the gospel. Hola, we are John and Wendy Patton. ABWE missionaries to Spain. John has been serving in Spain since 1998. After serving in Japan for 15 years, I married John and joined him in Spain. God blessed us with two girls. Julia was born on March 9, 2012. She grew so fast and had such big cheeks. Now she's three. Jessica was born on April 30, 2013. She is such a cutie serving as a flower girl last summer, and now at age two. Spain has a population of about 46 million people, with 6 million in the greater Madrid area. 69% claim Roman Catholicism, but most are nominal. 26% claim no religion at all, and less than 1% are evangelical. Approximately one in three people living in Madrid are not native-born Spaniards. We have been working with Rich and Cindy Brown in Alcalá de Henares. Cami McGraw teaches at the Missionary Kids School and is a great aunt to our girls. Adam and Emily Byerly arrived for career missionary service in March 2015. The building for our church was purchased and remodeled in 2003. We started Sunday services, and here is the core group of people today. I led music and worship and the services... Rich and I shared preaching responsibilities and teaching on Wednesday night. I helped with playing piano and teaching the kids. Slowly, I've improved to teaching a whole Bible lesson in Spanish. Usually the first Sunday of the month, we have a birthday party after the service. Everyone enjoys finger foods and cake. In fact, some come especially for their birthday. These fellowships are a great time of informal getting to know each other. Treasure Club for kids is on Friday afternoons. They enjoy fun games, crafts, and a Bible story. In addition to weekly services at church, we have several yearly outreaches for unsaved people. 
Christian couples are encouraged to invite unsafe friends to the Valentine dinner. This is a special event with beautiful decorations, an icebreaker game, pictures of each couple, a delicious meal, and a Bible message from a guest speaker. Our friends Juan Pedro and Maria Teresa and our landlords Tomas and Mercedes often attended the dinner. Maribel, a waitress we know from Deeps, came with her husband Fabio last February. Several Saturdays a year, the men cook an American breakfast at church. The sons enjoy playing together, and there is a Bible study at the end. Every May is the mother-daughter tea with crafts, refreshments, a fun teaching time, and a Bible message, all relating to a theme such as patchwork or scrapbooking. After school is out in June, we have English camp for a week. Groups from our supporting churches come to help us. About 40 kids enjoy fun songs, puppets, and skits, all in English. Three groups take turns doing crafts with Cami, having English class with Cindy, and playing games with Rich and John. The kids always play hard to win. Water break is a highlight because someone usually gets wet. After camp, we can spend time getting to know the parents outside. Two afternoons a week, we play baseball in the park with the kids. The second week is vacation Bible school with a Bible story instead of English class. In the fall, we have a dinner and movie night, which is always well attended. There's a discussion time after the movie, and a follow-up Bible study is offered. I teach Bible studies, and we do counseling in our home. Trinidad from Equatorial Guinea confessed to living a sinful lifestyle as we studied the Bible together. She started attending church and made great changes in her life. Jesus Manuel is a Roman Catholic, but asked deep questions during the study. Pray for him to make a decision to trust Christ alone for salvation. Isabel from Ecuador made a profession of faith. She was a neighbor of Cami and studied discipleship classes with me. Arancha and I met for language interchanges. Our girls enjoyed playing together, too. Rocío helped me a lot when I first went to Spain. She faithfully attends church now. Julian and I did language interchanges. He is the son of Gladys and Isidro, our neighbors. I know Iñaki from the basketball team. We meet for coffee and English conversation. He is here with his girlfriend, Maria. We also use their home for hospitality. The ladies love to get together for crafts, coffee, and conversation. Luis is my good friend. We often meet at a cafe to watch soccer games. He is a Bilbao fan. I joined the photography class to meet new people. Our teacher is giving us some helpful hints. We like to hang out at a cafe after class. Both saved and unsaved families from several churches attended summer camp. Everyone enjoys skits, games, and activities like hiking and swimming. Twice a day, we all meet for praise and prayer. Then the children and teens go to their classes while adults have a message from a special speaker. After the chapel service, the men and women divide up to discuss the message. Communicating effectively in Spanish was my big goal in my first term. Both of us took classes for three months in Costa Rica. I also took several classes in Spain and studied with a tutor, Marisa. Pray for continued growth in language. Javier and Jenny are a special couple. Here they are holding baby Jessica. Javier serves in the Spanish military. 
I have known as family since 2004. During a Bible study, they realized that their good works were insufficient to save them, and they received Christ as their Savior. They continued growing in discipleship classes. I had the privilege of baptizing them in January 2014. Unsaved family members were present and heard the gospel in their testimonies. I also did premarital counseling with them and performed their wedding in July 2014. Javier has used his chef's skills to make delicious and beautiful desserts for church events. He has taken seminary classes and helped lead the youth group also. We emptied our apartment in April 2015 before furlough and stored our belongings in a storage facility. When we return to Spain in April, we are planning to move to Carabanchel in Madrid and begin a new church plant. This area is full of middle-class families living in apartments. There are storefronts available for rent to use as a church. Javier and Jenny will continue to work, but are excited to partner with us in starting a new church. We are still raising money for our van in Spain and also need some more monthly support. Thank you for your part in our ministry. Please continue to pray for us as we travel with two toddlers and return to serve in Spain. I like to move my hands a lot, or I move a lot, so there might be a lot of swishing around around there. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to do a few things here um, in follow-up to our video. It's uh, very informative, but I wanted to share with you some of the changes that have taken place since I first started working there. As you know, um, I was uh, working with a men's basketball team for 10 years. Um, I uh, gave that up as well as teaching. I was teaching elementary uh, phys ed at the Christian School for Missionary Children. And I had done that for several years, and I had to, you can't do everything, and so I, I gave that up to focus more on the church work. And once you start a church, there are other responsibilities, including Bible studies that I was leading, and discipleship, and other activities that we had added to our, our church, their, our ministry. So those are some of the changes. The other one is the dynamics of the people that we work with. When I first got there, you, you saw a very heavy... Uh, Roman, Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic influence in, in the people, and and as I imagine here, and I know when we go to New York, there there are you know Roman Catholic churches, there are people of the Roman Catholic faith that that attend our churches, but uh, a lot has changed. When I got there, I, you, you still saw vestiges of that, but the new Spaniard, the younger generation coming up, is very different. They recently did a study in Europe, and of the Western European countries, Spain was a country that was one on the top of the people said, I'm not of any faith whatsoever, you know, Buddhism or whatever. They, they didn't consider themselves part of any faith. So how does that affect us? Well, when we're presenting the gospel, when we're dealing with them, trying to teach the Bible, it's different because if you have someone that comes from the Catholic Church and they're, they're, they're uh, fairly, uh, and, and go to the church and, and they are grown up in that, then you just you they have concepts that we share in common but we have to show them what the bible says about that so they still believe in god they still understand there's a bible and so forth but you and that changes but when you have someone that doesn't come of any they don't belong to any faith 
it's kind of like a blank slate, you know, the tabula rasa that you we studied in, in school. It's just like this blank uh, board. And so you have to start, well, is there a God? And if there's a God, can you know Him? And those types of things. So you have to, when we deal with these people, we have to do it in a different way. The other thing is it's international, like we saw in the video. It's like we have here. We have people from all over the world, and we might meet. I was born in Peru. A lot of you, I, I'm probably less American than a lot of you, but I was born and raised in, in the Amazon jungle. So, but people are from all over the world, and so when you go to, especially not just the country of Spain, but especially as you go to the big cities like Madrid and Barcelona and Sevilla and Cordoba uh, and Bilbao, they're going to have a lot of people from other countries be, because that's where they go to get the jobs. That's where the jobs are available. And so recently, uh, now we have uh, we have people from all over the world there, but we've had recently we've had a large group of people from Equatorial Guinea. And uh, the reason uh, they go, they like Spain, is because they're looking for a job, and uh, they have the same language in common because their official language in their country is Spanish. Now they speak with an accent, like you would think of people in Great Britain or, or Australia. They speak it differently, but it's the same language, so they they feel at home in, in Spain. And we didn't really reach uh, necessarily reach out and try to bring them in. They just came, and they they like the Bible teaching at our church. And uh, so we've had a, a large group, but they come from all over the world. You know, we have a lot of people from South America, uh, Colombia, etc. The other change uh, that took place is we have two girls, and so people ask us in our churches now: Has that affected your? Uh, has that affected your ministry? Well, ac- actually, it's affected our ministry in, in a very positive way. Uh, there are people in my apartment building that I tried to reach out to, and they would say hi. You know, they would greet me every day because you know we have to live together. So they're very smart in that, that sense. But they wouldn't really uh, continue with the conversation because they knew who I was and what I was doing there. But once the girls were born, they always come up. How are you doing? I saw them walking with Wendy the other day, going to the park or to the, to the, to the store. And it's really opened up a lot of, uh, you know, we have new relationships. And it's opened up these doors and windows to meet a lot of people. So it's only good. It's, uh, you know, having the girls there has only been good. Uh, for us, the other th- the other change that has taken place, and I, I think when I say some of these things, it's not like well, it's some very odd thing going on in another corner of the world. But I think we, you can relate to, and that is uh, there's uh, high unemployment. So with this global economic crisis, uh, they have been affected. Well, how has that affected our church there? Well, in a good way. Now, obviously, we don't want people to not have a job. They have to they have to provide for their families. But we've had people. I'm thinking of Rafa. Uh, and some other people, uh, yeah, Jose, and uh, some of these people that came in that, uh, who else? Yeah, and Trinidad. They came, they started coming to our midweek prayer meeting because they wanted someone to pray for them so they could get a job. They had just lost their job and they needed prayer. And so now they go to church on Sundays and some of them got saved and Rafa got baptized so God is using that, but that is a change. So one of the first concerns they have is that they have a job, that they'll keep their job, that their kids will have it too. So, And we know, and so their, their felt needs are the same as ours, but we know the real need is spiritual. So that is what we're doing there. Why are we in Spain? That's what we're doing there. What is the need there? That's what I wanted to share too. Uh, what is the need in Spain? I have a brochure here that's put out by a, an organization called Decision. And it says, a prayer for Spain. More than 10 million Spaniards live in areas with no evangelical witness. Well, there are less than 50 million people 
in Spain. And so you, you get a percentage. So Now, there might be in that town or village someone that's a believer, but there's no church work going on there. They would have to go somewhere else to go to church. And uh, so if you get in your car, and you, you go on the outskirts of Madrid or some of these other cities, and you can go town to town to village to town to village, and there's no church there whatsoever. Now, I mean, I'm talking even charismatic churches or anything like that. They just aren't there. And so there's a great need. There are people that, that, need, uh, that need that. One of the things that we've been doing uh, with the Bible study, I was uh, sharing with pastors, is we're using the story of, uh, of hope, like Story of La Esperanza, with the people. And it's been a good tool. Now, we've used other Bible study materials, but what I like about this, and I, I know just from the brief time talking with pastor, either on uh, Skype or, or here, is that I think he's got the same concept as when we're sharing, uh, when we're trying to witness to people, they really have to understand the Bible. I know when, when Paul was working with people, he would go in and, and work with the Jews because they had a background in the Bible. You know, they had that, that advantage. But people really need to understand the scope of the Bible for when we're trying to witness to them and share what Christ did for them, what that means. Because, you know, do you want to get saved? Oh, it sounds good. Yeah, I do. But they don't really understand what that means. And this has been really, it's been really instrumental. Um, what I like about uh, the, the study is that it uh, presents the gospel in an indirect way. And the decisions the people make responding to what they study here, and when they read Scripture, they take it personally. It, it's not like, well, John is telling me this. They say, well, that's what the Bible says. That's what God wants me to do. I said, you said it. <laughs> you know, I didn't have to tell you that. But they come to those conclusions and they take ownership of the conclusions that they have made. Um, I also wanted to share about, uh, and I wanted to have a time of question and answer for either me or Wendy too. Sometimes she can answer some things I can't. Um, especially for maybe you ladies or girls that are asking questions. But uh, I wanted to explain about the new work we're starting. Now, what happened is... Um, Rich is uh, training uh, Miguel Angel, who is a recent graduate of the seminary. He and Rebecca have been going to the church there for over a year now, and he's preaching. Uh, Miguel Angel is, is preaching, and Rich is training him to be the pastor. So our goal is for Miguel Angel to be the pastor of that church. And I think some advantages, um, he has a brother that's also pastor in another church plant we have in, in uh, Torres de Alameda. And so it's nice. We've got two brothers that are pastoring two churches that were started by EBWE. So that's, that's really encouraging. But the people really accepted him there. Um, we have Adam and Emily that just came on the field that are helping with the work. They, they work at the school, at the Christian school. And then when they aren't working at the school, they help with the work there with the youth and so forth. And then Emily helps out with the music. So, um, But anyways, recently, before we uh, came on furlough, I had a pastor... Uh, on one of our supporting churches that emailed me and they said, look, we host, uh, we host uh, high school kids in our home. And I know they've done this for many years, but we, we, just, we had the Spanish girl in our home and she just got saved and she's heading back to her home, unsaved family, back in, in the northern part of Madrid. And so he, he wanted to know if there was a good church. And I looked, I asked people, and there was really no church in our town. And it was just really sad. It just... Remind me, there are a lot of places that need the gospel. So what, what we're going to do when we return, um, we have our stuff in storage, our things in storage, and we'll be finding an apartment in our target area and uh, in Buena Vista, in Carabanchel. And 
uh, pastor asked me what the what the population is, and it's uh, the area we're working in, the body we're working in is a neighborhood. It has about 44,000 people. Now that was in, that, that those are the statistics in 2012. So you know it might have changed a little bit, but basically that's the size of area we're working in. There are no charismatic churches there. There are no Adventist churches there. There are no Mormon churches there. Now there might be a, you know a Catholic church or two, but there are no evangelical or even any of those churches there. And uh, as far as we know, no no works. Now there are some works uh, that are starting in in nearby neighborhoods, but not in the one we're we're going to be working in. We'll be teaming up with uh, Javier and Jenny. Will be teaming up with us. They have moved and live. They're they're uh, purchasing a. a uh, uh, house, uh, an apartment in that area, and in, in that area, and so the plan is for them to help us. And so we're building a team, and uh, so if you're interested, I'll, I'm going to leave this with Pastor. But if you're interested, you can. I've got a brochure on on joining the team there in Spain, and so we're trying to get a team together to help us uh, with the work that we'll be starting there. So um, I. I just want you to know when we go, as I had said, and, and I would, you know, I, I looked out the, the neighborhood, checked out the neighborhood, and there are a lot of uh, storefronts. Now, getting a storefront is not the same thing because once they know we're a church, then sometimes they put up the stop sign or whatever. But, but God can, can work, you know, He's in control. But uh, we'll be doing that in the future, just uh, uh, trying to probably rent or lease to own so that when we can raise the money, we can purchase that to be able to worship uh, in that uh, church building. So I wanted to leave this open to uh, any, any questions you might have. Um, so God is, uh, yeah, God is uh, doing great things there in Spain. It's, uh, it's slow. It's a slow work. I know I went to a missions conference, and uh, we have South Americans, that, Latin Americans that go to Spain. They go, oh, well, you know, this is just going to be great. And uh, we speak the same language. Well, what they find out when they go there, their language is a little bit different. They do have a very different culture. Their values are very different. And the work is slow. And so you have to have the slow plotters there. But God does work, and He works in His timing. But God is doing great things. It's just, we're, we're really encouraged, and we share this with the church, our supporting churches. We're really encouraged with, when people are taking steps. Uh, you know, baptism, and that's a big step. We have several couples in our church in Alcala that they need to be baptized, and it's just a very difficult time with their family because when they get baptized and their family they're not they're not believers it's almost shunning their I mean in their in their eyes is almost shunning their family and everything that they've known before so just pray for those couples that uh, that God would work in their hearts and in their lives that they would be baptized and take that step of faith in obedience so the, these are things that they'll be encouraged they don't have what we have available here Christian radio stations or uh, or bookstores uh, they have they have some Christian bookstores in Madrid, but very very small. I remember when I first went the first they had like one or two in the whole city, right? Yeah, they had two at that time, and this was near the Bullring, a few blocks away from the Bullring. And I went in there, and they were playing this music. I said, you know, I'd like to purchase the CD just like that. Well, you know, I, I thought they'd go over to the shelf and get a new one with a plastic on it. So he, they took it out, put it in the plastic, and I don't know how many years old it was, and you could tell it'd been touched and scratched. And they said it's so many, you know. Well, back then it was pesetas. So many pesetas. I thought I want a new one. No, this is the only one we have. So, anyway, so that just gives you an idea. But do you have any questions for us? Yes. 
It's it's very good. Um, they uh, before they become became part of the European Union, and then once they became a member of the European Union, the the union put a lot of money into their infrastructure so that they could continue um, building the highway system. So it's it's very good. And people, there are some people you'll find that do not drive. They don't drive a car like we do. Like our ID is a is a driver's license, you know. And if you can't drive a car, well, you have a special, you know, little card, your ID card. But there, there are people that they just don't want to drive. They've never driven, and so they can use the bus, they can use the train, and they can use the metro. So the metro is more in the central part of Madrid, the greater Madrid, and you know the the center of Madrid rather. And uh, then they have a train system, and so that all interacts and uh, intersects. And then you have a lot of buses. So, like when you have the uh, towns that are near the cities, you can get a bus, you know, every half hour or so. But the the system, their public transportation is very good. I'd say a lot better than here in the United States. But people depend on the public transportation. Um, not really. What? One thing that hinders the work, like starting churches, uh, you'll see, like on this brochure, I'll be giving pastor. Um, I'll just give it to him now. But on the brochure, there are some neighborhoods in Madrid, for example, that uh, we've, uh, Javier and I even checked out. But one of the reasons why there's no church there, it's all row houses. Everything is row house. There are no, there are no businesses. It's just all row houses. It's very hard to get in there. But uh, I would say public transportation isn't a big I, overall, I don't think it's a big problem. It could be. It could be. But I don't think it's a big problem. People can get to where they need to pretty pretty easily. And they're used to walking, too. Walk a lot. <clears throat> well, they, the, uh, uh, most Spaniards consider us a cult. So we're like a Satanist or a a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. We're just because to them the Christian faith is the Roman Catholic faith in their minds. That's what they were taught. The the Roman you know their teaching of the Bible that is the Bible. Their their concept of God is the Roman Catholic idea of God. So we're just considered a cult. We're just weird people. They don't want us there. And then also they might put us together with the Holy Rollers. You know where we're dancing in the aisles and maybe have rock music and, you know, cymbals and all that sort of thing. They don't want that. So, yes? Okay, uh, two questions. Um, crime, when I, it's changed. When I arrived in Spain, the crime was very low. Now, especially violent crime. Um, they Traditionally, they've always had pickpockets, but honest pickpockets. You go, how can you have an honest pickpocket? They'll, they're very, and they were very good, you know, on the metro or on the bus, and they'll, they'll take your wallet, they'll take the money out, put everything back, your cards and all that, and they'll mail it to you. I mean, they or they'll get it someone to give it to you. All they want is your money. No, I mean they would do that. They would literally do that. I mean, I spoke to the old timers. Go, yeah, they were honest pickpockets. Um, but they yeah, have a totally different concept. They don't want to do any harm. They just want your money, you know, kind of idea. But uh, now, is but it's changed. And but I think the reason there's been a change is not just socially because they don't have that moral background of you know doing right and doing wrong. Because 
even though they don't have they don't have spiritual life, it, uh, outwardly they would want to be good so that God would accept them, so they could go from purgatory into heaven, kind of that idea, um, to be a good person. Um, so that would keep them from doing that. But now you have, uh, since a lot of there are a lot of foreigners there, that has led to more of the violent uh, the violent crimes. You have the boss terrorists bombing a lot of things. You know, people usually they would just bomb politicians, so a judge or you know someone like that, a police officer. Um, and then you had the Muslim, and that's where it ties in with the Muslims. You had the the Madrid bombings and. What they did is you had a van full of uh, these terrorists, uh, Muslim terrorists. They got in this white van and they parked in the parking lot of our city of Alcala. And they uh, they got on the train going towards Atocha, which would be their Grand Central Station from Alcala. And so one got on one train, the other one got on another train, and they all had their backpack with a cell phone in it. And then they had another cell phone. They would call it. And so at the same time, they would leave the backpack there, get off. And then at the same time, they would call the number. So you had this train, boom, this train, boom, this train, boom, all about the same time. And that was uh, during my first furlough. So that was right before I returned for my second furlough. So they were still dealing with that when I got back there. But when they had their memorial service, the people, they had the ambassadors from all these different countries, you know, Belarus and Russia and, and Ukraine and Colombia and Ecuador and Honduras and Mexico, I mean, they were from all over because the population is like that. Um, there's a large mosque in, uh, in Madrid. There are, uh, they're trying to recruit for ISIS right now. They've arrested people. Uh, not this latest attack in France, but I don't know if you're, uh, when the man on the train, those American military grabbed him because he wanted to kill all the people. He actually was in Spain, and so the Spanish authorities had alerted Belgium and France to watch out for this terrorist. So there is, there's all that connection. I know Osama bin Laden, he had been in Spain before he was declared a terrorist, but he had been in Spain. He'd get to a hotel and he'd take the whole floor. Um, I, I, think the, I think the Muslims don't see Spain as a threat. And the, and the reason they, they did the Madrid bombings is there was a conservative president that just, was just finishing up his term and they were, the elections were coming up, and it looked like he was going to be the president again, a second term, and they didn't want that because of the way he dealt and he supported Bush sending people, in the, you know, the troops in Iraq. They didn't want him. So they, they did the bombings, and they, their declaration to the Spanish people is, if you elect him again, Athnat, President Athnat again, then we're going to keep doing this. And so the Spaniards, their response, instead of, well, we're going to elect him because, you know, he's going to fight you, was, oh, no, we don't want that to happen again. So they elected uh, another socialist president that got, got, them into a lot of, got them into a lot of financial trouble. And that, that socialist president said, he promised when he was campaigning, he said, the first two things I'm going to do is um, it, easy abortion and uh, I'm going to support homosexual marriages. Okay, just to give you an idea, okay? So, I don't know if I answered your question, but there is that, yes, we have people, you know, the ladies that wear the burqas and all that, um, they're in Spain. Yes? No, he was not. He thought he was, but he wasn't. Yeah, so you got, you got to meet him. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Well, there, yeah. You mean with France, you mean? 
this, I don't mean. Oh, the migrants? Hmm. Well, they don't, yeah. They did, um, Spain did uh, agree to take some of those people from the Mideast that are trying to find, you know, being repatriated or whatever. They agreed to take some of them, and I think they're already arriving. They're arriving now. Um, I don't know if you're, just to make a connection, I'm going to try to answer a question, but do you remember the, the man who was holding his son or grandson and was running and the reporter tripped him? Do you remember that? That man lives in Spain now because he was a, a coach for some sports team, and they said, we want you. So after that happened, Spain says, come here, and I think they paid all his expenses to go there to become a Spanish citizen and all that. So he and his family live in Spain now. Um, but... Uh, that's something they're always going to have have to deal with is the immigrants. They're people that are are uh, risking their lives on a daily basis to go from Africa to Spain, and the closest thing they can get to is the Canary Islands because it's off the coast of Africa. But they get in a boat, you know, that's full, and with the waves, they just don't have much of a chance to make it. So a lot of people lost their lives. We don't even know about, and they'll pay twenty to forty thousand dollars per person to get on that boat to go to, to Spain. And most of them don't even make it. Where do they get that money? I have no idea. But that's, someone charges it. The person who, you know, uh, had the boat made or whatever. So he's pocketing a lot of money and he's not on there, you know. So, okay. Pastor, thanks a lot.